KCCB. This is Deb Cook-Lewis. I have been serving you for the past three months as your interim president and now ask you to elect me to be your president for the next two years. I look forward to serving ACB as we grow to be an even greater organization. Thank you for your vote. I am David Trott, candidate for first vice president of the American Council of the Blind. I currently serve as treasurer and have also served on the board of directors. You can learn more about me by visiting our candidates pages at acb.org. I look forward to hearing from you and would appreciate your support during our elections this year at our national convention. Thank you. Hi, this is Ray Campbell, and I'm asking for your vote for second vice president of the American Council of the Blind. ACB is in a great place with programs such as our community. We need to continue to invest in these programs and others to keep ACB the chief influencer in the blind and visually impaired community. Please join me in doing that work. Hello, ACB. I'm Michael Garrett, and I'm running for the position of ACB Treasurer. I believe I bring to the position some previous board experience, my financial background, a little institutional knowledge, and a passion for the organization. I believe we stand on the precipice of a new era in ACB. Yes, we have some challenges before us, but we also have some opportunities to grow. We have a chance to chart a new course at ACB. Won't you stand with me as we work together for a bright future in ACB? My name is Denise Colley, and I'm running for my third and final term as your ACB secretary. I originally ran for this position because I wanted the opportunity to be able to communicate with the membership and ensure that all of our communications were as transparent as possible. I believe that my experience has allowed me to do that, and I want to continue to have the opportunity. I hope I have your vote for this next two years. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Blind Pride International Guide Dog Users and Multicultural Affairs Committee Joint Candidate Forum for 2023. So as you heard, those are our candidate statements, their 30-second spots, and we're going to use that as the introduction for this evening. Representing MCAC this evening is Regina. Regina, you want to say hi and let everybody know just a tiny bit about you? Hello, this is uh, Regina Brink representing the Multicultural Affairs Committee, and I am, I'm short. So is that a tiny bit about me? Okay. <laughs> I'm from California as well, and um, I serve in several capacities there. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. We have Andy, who is representing Guide Dog Users. Hi, this is Andy. I'm from uh, Washington Council of the Blind and, and serve as president of uh, Guide Dog Users of Washington State and on the board for DDUI. 
And I am Anthony Corona. Um, currently, I am the first vice president of Blind Pride International, uh, the host of Sunday Edition and a whole host of other things. I'm from Florida. Uh, we also have two candidates for the BOP this evening. So I will give them um, about 20 seconds each to introduce themselves as well. Jeff, do you want to go first? Yeah, if I can get my uh, phone to unmute here. Here we go. My phone's, my phone's really sluggish for some reason. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Jeff Bishop. I'm currently serving on the ACB Board of Directors, but uh, uh, wanting to move over to the Board of Publications this year. I think with my um, vast knowledge of communications, a, a very in-depth working knowledge of the uh, organization and the inner workings of the organization and, and my leadership skills, um, really offer an opportunity to bring uh, some creative skills to the Board of Publications, especially in the area of ACB media. And uh, there's a lot of areas that we can continue to improve that and invest in making sure that, that members are getting the content that they, that they deserve in ways that um, are you know, creative for each and every one of them. Uh, not only that, we need to make sure that every single voice is heard uh, through our publications. And that's really the, one of the largest roles of the Board of Publications. And no, no matter if you have a small voice or a large voice, that voice is equal. And we need to make sure it's heard everywhere if you're, if you're wanting to express it. So that's me. And just uh, please, thank you, uh, thank you. please vote for me. Thank you. All right, Edward. Thank you so much. My name is Edward Shaham, and I am asking for your vote for the Board of Publications uh, position. Uh, a little about me, I, had, I am 46 years old. I just graduated college, believe it or not. I have an extensive uh, business background. Um, I'm very entrepreneurial. I, am, uh, I have been placed in multiple leadership positions throughout my life. I truly believe that the Board of Publications should reflect the diversity of all its members and also should serve as a gateway to bringing in new members. I believe I will bring a fresh and an innovative perspective to the position being that I am also Palestinian, a Muslim. I was born in Bethlehem. I consider myself North African. At the same time, I am uh, very light skinned. So Sometimes I'm seen as white until people realize that I'm also, you know, Palestinian and a Muslim. So I think bringing that that diversity and also a fresh perspective to the board of publications is important. And working and fostering relationships with other uh, affiliates and other voices throughout our organization in order to to bolster our publications so that they uh, speak to everyone and not just. Uh, a small percentage of our, our of our population, but speak speak to a broader um, uh, part of our blindness um, organization within our organization as well as throughout the United States uh, from those potential members that um, the Board of Publication I believe can help bring in. My name is Edward Shaham. I thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. Thank you very much. Okay, so as I said, um, this is the BPI MCAC and GDI Candidate Forum. 
we are going to have one general question from BPI for all of the candidates, a second, a different question for the two BOP candidates. Then MCAC will have the, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, then GGUI will have the opportunity to ask the candidates either one single question or targeted questions for each, as well as MCAC. Then the candidates will have a one minute closing statement opportunity, and we will open it up for questions from the audience at that time. Um, the time for the questions will be up to, keyword there, up to two minutes. You feel free not to use your entire two minutes to answer a question if you think you can. So with that being said, I am going to actually start with the two BOP candidates for um, the BPI question. Okay, um, let's go backwards. Edward, um, Jeff, it'll be the same question. The special interest affiliates are often, um, are often struggle with having newsletters and communications as well as the state affiliates. Uh, so what would you as a BOP member add to the BOP and be able to offer special interest affiliates in their communications and what do you think you would like to see from the special interest affiliates for the already established BOP communications? Uh, You'll have two minutes. I'll give uh, you a 10 second warning. Well, before you start the two minutes, may I ask uh, uh, for you to clarify, are you, are you saying that, uh, are you asking uh, that the uh, special interest affiliates do not have uh, enough of a voice? Special. What I'm saying is, the special interest in state affiliates are struggling mm -hmm. with some of some of them are struggling with their communications. What mm -hmm. do you think the BOP should do to help with that? And what would you, as a BOP member, like to see from these special interest affiliates? How more of their voice in the current BOP communications? Got it. Okay. So to me, um, that's there's two parts to that question. First, to help. Uh, the affiliates and special interest affiliates as well, state and special interest affiliates. Uh, templates, honestly, uh, it, it sounds simple, but coming out with, with templates for their, so that they can, uh, manage their own, uh, uh, publications would, I think, be invaluable. Plus consulting, uh, similar to what the board of directors does, uh, liaison between the board of directors and, uh, other affiliates. I believe a program like that for those that, that want it would, would be really beneficial. Uh, the second part to your question to, uh, so in order to foster an environment where, uh, all voices are heard, you, you this is a active sort of, um, action. It, it, it's an active work in progress, so to speak. And, and it has to be done at the leadership level. We have to foster an environment where everyone's voice, everyone feels like their voice should be heard and feel comfortable with their voice being heard. So I would say that working with affiliates, uh, especially, you know, those that are underrepresented uh, would be a utmost paramount to the Board of uh, Publications because we need to reflect what is already in society today. And I feel that we uh, we are sort of lagging behind uh, societal norms. Uh, we need to be more open. We need to be more inclusive, more diverse. And that really starts with working with uh, affiliates with, and, and also working uh, 
uh, on the board itself to make sure that our publications are truly inclusive and make others feel like, you know what, we, we want to work with the board of publication. So, so we need to take that Ten first seconds. step. We need to take that first step and, and reach out, <clears throat> not only reach out, but also stand behind and actively uh, promote publications that really foster an environment of diversity and inclusion. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, Jeff. Thank you. This is a great question. And, and I think, you know, the Board of Publications, along with the Board of Directors and, and a number of other people in this organization, really have fostered a, an opportunity for affiliates to be able to have their voice heard. Not to say that we're not doing enough because we could be doing more. Uh, we, we know, for example, that the Board of Publications has themed issues of, uh, you know, our publications. And oftentimes you'll see, you know, MCAC, ACBDA and others come out and, and actually produce content that fills an entire issue of the forum. And, and, that, and that's really, really important. Now, how do we continue to reach out to others, though, who are not hearing from those small state affiliates or those small special interest affiliates? Well, there's a couple of ways that I think that we can do that. One, I think that the Board of Publications can offer more writers workshops. We're already doing that on the Board of Publications, but I think we could be doing more. And we could get more creative in offering these writers workshops and coming up with maybe ways that might be able to foster more creativity or, or thoughts to, of, of what topics might be interesting to be able to put into the forum. But really, it's up to people to really come up with these ideas, but we need to help them along. Secondly, we need to partner more with the Board of Publications and the Board of Directors. We have board liaisons for a reason, and we really ought to be consulting as people on the Board of Publications with these board liaisons and highly encourage them to, to seek for content to be published across our publications, whether that be the Braille Forum or the eForum or uh, ACB Voices or on ACB media in podcast form, there's all kinds of ways that their voices can be heard. And that's really the way to do it. It's through encouragement. It's through representation. It's through mentoring, collaborating, and working together to ensure that every single voice is heard. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Now for our officer candidates, um, it's no secret that the state and special interest affiliates uh, are, may have some membership struggling problems. Um, and some of the special interest affiliates have actually been beneficial to the overall ACB membership as far as membership generation is concerned. So what do you see as the role for the board in, as far as an intermediary between national and affiliates and where do you where would you like to see more work being done in that relationship and let's go backwards we'll start with denise and go on up to deb you have two minutes each i'll give you a 10 second warning that's a really interesting question um i guess first i would say that um I think the board, both the board of directors and the board of publications could really work, be working more closely with our special interest affiliates who sometimes feel very disenfranchised and don't feel like they're necessarily a part. And one of the things that I have had the opportunity to do for the 
two terms that I have been secretary, um, and sometimes it makes me very sad, is to see the number of votes affiliates have come time for our convention roll call and seeing the decline in the number of um, members and the number of votes. While ACB community has brought new people in, we can't just rely on ACB community to be bringing more people in. We have to reach out more. We have to do a better job of giving people the information about what our special interest affiliates do, who they are, and what they can offer people, which means we need to know a little bit more about people and their areas of interest, their areas of expertise. And I don't think that we've done a very good job of really trying to get at that information. So we better know how we can plug people in. There are people who just do not want to join state affiliates to start with. And a special interest affiliate is really the best place for them to start. And I would really like to see us do more to get to know new members better and determine where is the best place for them to be in order to be utilized in the way that they should be. Thank you. All right, Michael, you're up. Sure. Thank you, Anthony. Um, I want to sort of piggyback on on the the direction that Denise was going uh, from the standpoint that I I think we we should when we're searching out people we should try to get to know them, know what their interests are, match those interests <laughs> with the special interest groups that we have, and perhaps we can gain. We can gain memberships, but it has to be a collaborative effort between the board, uh, board members, and leaders in the state and special interest affiliates. Oftentimes, state state uh, uh, and special interest affiliates are asking for help. Uh, we can be that 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 go between or or advisory. Uh, committee type person to give them ideas to work with the people in their local areas. This is really a grassroots effort because you have to start where you live. And and so I believe that as a, as a board member, we can ad, ad, give some advice or or work in partnership with the leaders and the in the state affiliates and in the special interest affiliates to garner new members bring them in, uh, find out what they're interested in, and help them get acclimated to ACB. Thank you. Ray? Thank you, Anthony, and uh, thank you to all three of uh, the entities that have uh, sponsored this forum tonight. It's very, uh, it's good to get a chance to talk with you. Um, I think, um, I think that um, we need to we need to encourage. Um, I think uh, a couple of things. I think I think we need to. I think community has been awesome. I think it's been a good way to bring some people into the organization. And I know that um, that many of the special interest affiliates have benefited from uh, members coming in with uh, various interests. Um, I think that. Um, the special interest affiliates and state affiliates need to be encouraged to work together to uh, identify members, um, you know, who can uh, join, who are in special interest affiliates that maybe live in certain states that would like to join the state affiliate and vice versa. 
But I think there also has to be some accountability there, too. Um, I think that um, we can't have a situation where a, a really enthusiastic member contacts a state affiliate at the behest of, uh, you know, that they learn, you know, that they, they, they get the information um, and then the state affiliate never, never contacts them back and encourages them to, uh, to join. Um, I also think that uh, the, some of the programs that we have, such as our uh, DKM first timers or JP Morgan uh, leadership fellows and our scholarship program, uh, we, we have a lot, we get a lot of data on those people. And if they're currently not members of state and special interest affiliates, we need to con- talk to them, find out what their interests are and get them hooked up with those, uh, with those groups. And I think, uh, as, uh, officers and board members, I think we can have a seconds. way to, uh, you know, make, try to make that happen. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Ray. All right, David, you're up. Okay, thank you. You know, it's it's great. Uh, we're in an exciting time right now. You don't often get the opportunity to rebuild. You don't want it, but when it comes to you, you look at it not as a... What we have to do, I think, now is know that we're not a board. We're not a special interest affiliate. We're not a state affiliate or a local. We are ACB, and we need to unify and Put that message out there to everybody that this is what we are and talk about the great things that we do. But most of all, you've heard me say this for years. One of my favorite things I've ever heard in my life is boots on the ground because it means so much. When you advocate, you can advocate nationally, but it's got to be brought down to the local level and you need those boots on the ground. And we're going to have to find these people in our local areas who feel isolated. And find ways to attract them. If it's a hot dog dinner or, uh, you know, a political rally or maybe it's somebody talking to them on a Zoom line about talking book programs or whatever that they like. We've got to find a way to engage our entire membership and know that it's what we are as ACB. ACB is a great, great organization. We've done so much over the last 10 years. But what we do now is we've got to look at our membership that has fallen. And we'll look at our special interest affiliates who've helped grow that membership and help pull us through the pandemic. So as we move forward, I think we need to look at it more as not a board area or a special interest affiliate area, but an ACB area and come together and work as a unit to make it happen. Thank you, David. And last but certainly not least, Madam Intern President Deb. <laughs> well, thanks, Anthony. Yeah, I, I think following a little bit along David's lines, but I think that membership is is the responsibility of everyone in the organization to think about who they come in contact. I don't think that you can punt membership up to the um, to the board or to the staff or to wherever, because if you're asking people to join you, then you have to be out there and visible for them to join. So ultimately, membership becomes the responsibility of the affiliates and and the chapters of the affiliates in those cases where they have them. But there are things, I think, at the national level that we are doing that we hope will help that. One of the initiatives that we're taking is really in response to a resolution that was introduced and that um, <clears throat> the membership has voted to 
refer to the membership uh, steering committee, and that is to make sure that everyone who is participating in our events where we do collect data from them, which is not everything we do, but in many cases, that we have that data available to our state and special interest affiliates so that they can follow it up. And so I think that it, we've done that to some extent, but we haven't been quite consistent with it. So um, we're going to be implementing a process in the late summer and fall to help ourselves be um, more consistent. The other thing I just want to mention is I think um, it's not so much participating in community calls that would get people to your affiliate, but actually hosting some. So uh, the affiliates and the um, are that are here this evening represented, they both do this, and many others do as well. Even some states do this, uh, Georgia, uh, West Virginia, uh, some others as well. And I think that that is an amazing way to advertise what's going on in your state and what your members are doing. And I just think that 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 is something everyone should be taking advantage of. Thank you so much. So I am going to turn it over now to Andy, who is representing Guide Dog Users. Andy, I will keep the time in the background, still giving the 10-second warning, but the floor is yours now. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, this is for the five candidates for office, board officers. If elected... How would you be involved with and supportive of and, and inclusive enough to keep special affiliate uh, informed and hopefully not just informed, but have them participate with you in reaching advocacy such as when guide dog users can't get rides from rideshare like Uber and Lyft? That's for all five of the candidates for board. We can go backwards this time. Deb, you want to go first? Sure. So, um, first of all, um, basically, there are several ways that um, at the national level that we work with uh, special interest affiliates. Um, one of the ways just around process, and we haven't done this in the last couple months because of convention and our transitions and everything, but we have something called a special affiliates um, circle where we go over issues that uh, face um, special interest affiliates in particular or that are, are uh, challenges to them and so that's certainly one area where we meet but then the other thing you mentioned advocacy um, there are several resolutions that have gone through this year in terms of um, guide dog users and other items of interest to various special interest affiliates and each of these resolutions gets assigned a priority and worked through a process with our advocacy committee and <coughs> Many of our advocacy members are members of um, special interest affiliates, so I don't think we treat any issue that we work on in advocacy based on affiliation. We treat the issues that we work on in advocacy based on the priorities of the organization overall. So um, as we receive these new items to work on or items that we are already working on, uh, we will prioritize those in the same way that we have been and um, we'll try to identify who should be working together. I think one of the key issues 
issues is to make sure that we are working with the special interest affiliate if it's their issue. And in the case of guide dog users this year, I know that you have written into your resolutions that the partnership should exist and there's no reason why it should not. Thank you. Okay, David. Yes. Uh, you know, I've, I've been around a while and I've always considered our special interest affiliates, our experts on their particular field. Um, anytime that, that I look at advocacy from a standpoint of how ACB should go, I look to the special interest affiliate that is closely related to it. Uh, are our communication lines the best in the world? Absolutely not. You can improve anything. But know that moving forward, that we won't hear everyone's voice. And if it's a guide dog issue and I don't know anything about it because I don't use one, then that's who I'm going to call. If it's a low vision issue, yeah, I can answer some, but I'm also going to get the information from CCLBI, who I consider our professional organization in that field. So I, I think by moving forward, it's, it's just going to be more and more communications and more and more including the information that we gather from the special interest affiliates and the state affiliates, uh, you know, because we've had issues with voting in Florida and Virginia. So we, we work closely with people. What we don't do, and I think that comes across a lot in these uh, candidates' forums, what we don't do as ACB is pat ourselves on the back enough for the successes that we've had. And we, we've had a lot of successes, and most of them come from working together. So that would be my goal in the future is to see that we work closer with our special interest affiliates who are our professionals. Right. <clears throat> Thanks, Anthony. Um, I, I kind of go along the lines of what David is saying. I think that uh, if there's an issue that impacts um, a group of individuals represented by one of our special interest affiliates, I I think it only makes sense that um, we as the officers in the board and our advocacy um, committee and staff uh, contact that special interest affiliate. I mean, I look I look to the special interest affiliates as having the people who have the expertise in various issues. I don't use a guide dog either. So um, to understand how something might affect people who use guide dogs, I'm certainly going to contact GDUI. Um, if there's an issue uh, that affects the uh, LGBTQ plus community uh, and could have unique impacts on those individuals from that community who are blind or visually impaired, I'm certainly going to contact Blind Pride because I think that uh, makes sense. Not even boil it down. I even take it one step further than affiliates to also say committees. Um, you know, if there's something that is, could be a you know, dealing with multicultural or deafblind uh, issues or any of those kinds of things, I'm going to contact the people in those committees. Because again, those are the people that have the expertise. Those are the, in many cases, are the people that live with, that live live it every day. That there are guide dog users that live with uh, deafblindness and stuff like that. And so I need, I, I, I we need to, uh, as we craft policy and craft uh, positions on advocacy issues be reaching out and i do think we do quite a bit of it but again i'm like i'm with david i don't think we talk about it enough and uh, i think we need to toot our own horn a little bit more about the work that we are doing 
Thank you. All right, Michael. I think we have a, a, a general theme going here, and that is communication, uh, working with the people who are actually living the issues that they they hold interest in. Uh, and for example, though, I serve on, we have two state uh, special interest groups that, that, you know, serve under the the national special interest groups and i serve uh you know positions on both of those uh so that i have some firsthand knowledge of what we're trying to do from the state level uh and and then but as as part of the advocacy committee in our state we also reach out to other uh areas uh, for instance one of the legislative uh, imperatives we had this year was uh, fraudulent uh, service animals. And, and so we worked on that together with the experts around our state to carry that bill to the state legislature. So it's all about communication. It's all about getting with the people who know and who, who live uh, the issues that they're interested in. And so I want to be that, that sort of a an officer to to communicate with to work with to help find the solutions that address those issues and take them to where they can get resolved thank you michael denise well first of all i think everybody has said just about everything i was going to except that i do want to echo what david said in that we don't pat ourselves on the back enough I don't think people even begin to realize what all ACB has accomplished, especially in the area of advocacy. And we really need to toot our horn better. We need to tell our story better. But I think one of the things I really would like to see happen is to bring it down even on a lower level. And that is, let's say it's a guide dog issue and you have people in your state who really don't know how to advocate for themselves. I think it's up to us who live in those states who have those skills to assist those individuals to help get them to the point where they feel comfortable talking to legislators and co comfortable doing advocating about those issues that are important to them. And I think that we, uh, if, if we don't have the knowledge or the skills or the abilities to do that, then we need to connect them with the people who can be it GDUI, be it Clark or Swatha or whoever, depending on what the issue is, I'd really like to see us it come down more to the state level and that those of us in our states who have been through this process and know some of the, the techniques and the, the things that work and the things that have been successful, that we can help those who are dealing with a particular advocacy area uh, feel more empowered to do what they need to do. Thank you. All right, Andy, and your question for the BOP candidates? I thought I hit, I thought I hit mute, unmute, I hit mute instead. Anyway, um, kind of a similar question. Can BOP help in any way with the process that we just talked about, about helping reach out to in, um, 
lost my train of thought here, help out to help advocacy and, and special interests and, and uh, state affiliates to be better advocates. Advocate. Excuse me. I lost my tongue. I can't do anything with it. So, anyway, thanks. All right, go ahead, Jeff. Yes, thank you. You know, this is really uh, something that, that that's really kind of fascinating. And I, and I think it's really up to all of us as members of this organization to be monitoring and, and listening to what things are happening within the organization. And then if need be, making sure that that voice is heard, whether that's through ACB Voices, you know, the forum of the e-forum or through a community event of some kind or a podcast or through ACB Advocacy Update. You know, whatever, whatever that vehicle is, it's, it's really up to us individually as members to really constantly be listening. But as leaders, I think each of us on the Board of Publications can be listening and watching. And if we see something that's critical, that's, that's really important, for example, there have been times when very critical issues have come up right around the, our national conventions, and, and we've highlighted these things, and sometimes we find out about them, you know, the first or second day of convention or, or maybe just the day before convention starts and we immediately react to, to make sure that we are, you know, advocating for people and making sure that voices are heard and that we're representing communities and that we're representing issues effectively. So I think it's important that people on the board of publication and uh, publications are constantly listening, that our board liaisons are constantly listening and that, state affiliates and special interest affiliates are also listening and bringing uh, those opportunities to, to have their voices be heard during open forum during our board of publications meetings so that we can schedule these articles and get them into our publications so that voices can be heard thank you thank you edward thank you anthony so yes uh regarding the example of uh, guide dogs, and I know a lot of people, uh, friends of mine uh, that I know personally have been denied access to ride sharing services um, because they have a guide dog. Uh, and uh, people have, blind people have various issues uh, that really need to be uh, placed front and center. And I believe the way to do that when it comes to the Board of Publications is to encapsulate the experience of that particular member or, and, and put those experiences in writing so everyone else is made aware uh, of those experiences so that we can act together and, and formulate a plan to <clears throat> resolve the issues together. Uh, for example, airlines, you have to fill out a form as a guide dog user. I'm not a guide dog user myself, but I've heard this that uh, for each airline, you know, when you travel, you have to fill out a, a new form for your guide dog. And most of the time, the forms aren't even accessible. So we need to hear these experiences. Once we do, though, we have to act upon them. The Board of Publication, I believe, should encapsulate those experiences, be able to empathize with those experiences. And that allows us to put them in writing so everyone else could empathize. And now it becomes an ACB issue, not just a particular special interest affiliate or a state affiliate issue, but it becomes an issue for all of us to, to work on together 
And that's the key word here, working on things together. Thank you. Wow. Okay. So first and foremost, thank you to the candidates because you are making my job as timer, you know, as the timekeeper person, very easy. So Andy, thank you for the questions from multi, uh, from guide dog users from multicultural affairs committee. Regina, you have the floor. Same thing. Two minutes. I'll give a 10 second warning. Thank you. Okay. This was worked on by our whole committee with the exception of candidates that were running. But um, the rest of us worked on these questions, and I send Cheryl Cummings best wishes as she had a scheduling conflict. So the question that I have is, please describe one or two actions you believe ACB took over the last year to promote diversity at all levels of the organization. And what specific action would you personally like to see? the Multicultural Affairs Committee undertake in the upcoming year. And that's for everybody, the Board of Directors and Board of Publications. All right, we'll go top down. Deb, go first. Well, uh, things we've done in the last year or so, I'm not really looking at the calendar, um, but I think our Spanish uh, initiative has really taken off. We started out last year at convention with just doing um, podcasts of a few of the uh, convention items. And then when we moved up to leadership, we were able to um, do a, a little bit more comprehensive job with our uh, Spanish process. And um, now here at convention, we are uh, planning to have live translation for all of the general sessions, the banquet, and um, and I think that's, I guess, it. Oh, the, oh, and the sessions this last week, all of the business sessions. I, was, I knew there was more. So um, we're doing all of that. We have um, much of our material available this year in Spanish. Um, and, and so we've really uh, taken off in that uh, particular area. And, and what that does, I think, is sets up a model for us to do that in other areas as we identify a need and an interest to do so. Um, I think also um, just the fact that as we've been appointing our committees, we have a much broader representation on our committees uh, from different diverse groups than we have had in the past. And of course, we want to continue to do that as much as we can. And so um, I think that that's a critical issue. So for me, it's not so much taking up new initiatives, although I'm certainly not unreceptive to the possibility, but it's also making sure that we stabilize and continue and grow the initiative that we have taken up already. So I think those are good. Um, I think having our... Okay, ten, our, uh, our various diversity committees, the IRC and our MCAC committee uh, producing programming for us has also been an excellent resource of growth. Thank you. David? Thank you, Dale, for telling them uh, the great things that we've done. Uh, so I won't reiterate them. The one thing that we did do last year that... Um, I thought was cool that nobody mentioned anywhere. Uh, we, we elected a more diverse board. Uh, you know, we have representation from um, our blind pride community. You know, we have representation from our African-American community. And uh, we, we're going to grow this. We're going to grow over time. 
the the biggest thing I think we've done and we probably need to improve more is dealing with multicultural affairs to see what we need to do. We need to learn. Uh, you know, we've, we've been kind of in a grid for a lot of years. And I think we're learning now and I think we need to do forward learning. And, and the, there again, they're our experts. Uh, what do we need to do? Uh, and that, that's the way we need to move forward and move forward successfully, I think. Thank you, Ray. Well, a number of things have already been mentioned. I think, uh, um, I think the, I think the the Spanish translation that we're doing uh, has been awesome. Uh, I think making materials available in Spanish that's been awesome, really, for our Spanish speaking community uh, to help them uh, better understand uh, what it is we're doing. I think uh, being able to. Um, Play, you know, play the recordings that we've had in both English and Spanish has been uh, a really great thing, and um, and and all of that. I think uh, going over the next uh, couple of years, I think what I'd like to see are a couple of things. One would be to, uh, and I know that there's been, I believe, some preliminary plans are being set in place to do this to create a spanish version of our acb.org website so that uh that's available and also uh like to look for more and more ways as we start to do more and more things back in person to some degree anyway through our conventions and our dc leadership conference to make sure that we can bring some of that uh, translation to the in-person part of things. And I think maybe we can reach out to our friends in the World Blind Union and perhaps learn how they do that with some of their general assemblies and, and get some ideas Ten there. Seconds. It's uh, The last thing is I'd like to see us continue to work to diversify our staff. I think that would be a, a good thing. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Michael? I wonder why they wouldn't let Ray and I help formulate those questions. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I think even tonight's diverse and collaborative effort with this candidates forum is is something that that is that's something that the leadership has has put forth and and shows ACB's diversity. The other thing I think that we haven't mentioned is the mentoring program. Uh, that is something that well, we talked about at, for for some time, and and we were able to uh, get ACB leadership to put together this mentoring program. And from what I understand, it has been successful. The people who are uh, involved, the, the the guides and 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 the and the other folks that are coming along are learning about ACB and I look to see new leaders evolve from that program and hopefully uh, mentoring dot two will take place very soon and we will continue to develop new leaders and I hope to continue to work with the MCAC and other uh, committees and special affiliates to uh, broaden our base of leadership from all uh, realms uh, or, or all of the ethnicities and populations within 
uh, the whole membership of ACB. Thank you, Michael. Denise? Well, I won't reiterate what's already been said. I do think um, what we've done with um, making things more available to our Spanish members is really exciting. And it's going to be really exciting to see how this carries over to um, other um, diverse minority groups. A couple other things that I think the board has done, which has given us a good start, is that we understood, we knew and understood that we needed more training on diversity and inclusion and what we needed to be doing. And we received some training, and I think that was very beneficial. Um, the other thing we did that I found very interesting is that we are starting to get demographic reports that show not only the, our membership and the diversity of our membership, both in terms of uh, size, in terms of rural versus urban, in terms of um, ethnicity, um, but we're also doing it with the board and the breakdown of the board. And at least for me, it was a very eye-opening tool to see just where we were and how far we still need to go. And I think that's a, a really large uh, first step in this process. Regina, is it the same question for the BOP or do you have a separate question? All right, I'm gonna assume it's the same. Jeff, go ahead. Sure, thank you. I'm not going to repeat uh, a lot of the things that have already been said here. And I think we've covered a, a lot of the things that we've done really well over the last year. One of the things that I want to focus on, though, is what can all of us do, including, uh, you know, MCAC and, and, and others within the organization, but it's really all of us, is what can we do to elevate, you know, this diversity influence within ACB? So I'd like to talk a little bit about ACB Media. We have 10 streams that are currently available, and we have had a long-standing vision of creating a Spanish channel or Spanish stream. You know, a number of years ago, I talked with Cindy about, hey, you know, we ought to move community to ACB Media and have a dedicated stream for community, and that's now ACB Media 5. And look how that has flourished. The, the big problem that we have in, in putting together a Spanish stream is the content. So this is where we really could use the help of everyone to be able to put together, you know, content, material, you know, audio-based content in Spanish and in other languages too. I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to that at all, but it really comes down to generating this content so that they can that it can be aired and produced. So I think the Board of Publications ought to work on a strategy and really greatly encourage others within the organization to help pull us along in that journey to be able to widen the widen this opportunity for us to in you know to improve our diversity and inclusion aspects of our organization. And I think if we were to do that, we would have something just as successful as community or ACB media one, you know, uh, and we have room, you know, we have 10, 10, 10 streams, so we can definitely do it. Thank you. And real quick, Anthony, so sorry. I was in a window. I couldn't unmute, but you made the correct assumption. 
<laughs> Thank you. All right, Edward. Thank you, Anthony. And yeah, this is a really good question. First, I I'm gonna I'm going to have to disagree uh, in terms of. So we, we talked a lot about the um, Spanish translation and uh, closed captioning. I don't think was brought up. Um, and and other things but the thing is i i feel that those are more issues of accessibility not diversity so i i wouldn't i personally would not count them as being um something that that would be diverse uh per se not that not that they're a bad thing i'm totally behind them um when it comes to the board of directors uh you know having a diverse board is great but that doesn't necessarily translate to i to to a, an inclusive environment. So it has to go further further than that. It has to, we have to, as an organization, starting from the top down, encourage the, the uh, voices of those that are different than us. We are a cross section of society. What brings us together is our blindness. So we have to encourage those voices to be heard and to be included. And I think, so diversity has to extend into actual environmental action. I believe uh, that the Board of Publications will have a large uh, part to play in that because uh, the written voice, written experiences will have a lot, uh, will be able to influence um, greatly the overall organization. What I believe MCAC should be doing is working closely with the Board of Publications to holding, holding us accountable and making sure that we are doing what we are saying that we are going to do uh, to be inclusive, to be more diverse, to make sure that the environment is actually becoming more uh, inclusive and more inviting to everybody. And for me, what I would do, and I know the BOP is a team effort, but for me personally, I would get rid of themes because themes, I think, are restrictive. I think talents come from all corners of the ACB, and we should uh, embrace those voices and all our issues. And I think themes themselves are restrictive. I know that's uh, thank you. controversial, but thank you so much, Anthony. Thank you very much. Okay, at this point, um, I would like to ask Regina and Andy to unmute. And if you have any targeted follow-up questions based upon the candidate's answers to your general question, you can ask them now and the candidate would have 30 seconds to respond. Um, Andy, I'll go first with GDUI. Do you have any response questions for any of the candidates? No, not at this time. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much. Regina, how about you? Yes. So how do you believe our organization uh, works best on diversity from the top down or from the bottom up, if you had to choose? You want this for everyone or is this for a specific yep, board member? For, every, uh, for everybody. <laughs> All right, so we'll go backwards. We'll start with Edward. If you guys can just limit it to 30 seconds, I'm not gonna set a timer, but just keep it in your head to uh -huh. close to 30 seconds. All right, Edward first. Yes, thank you, I'll be very quick. Absolutely from the top down. The tone at the top, I've always said this, this is a, 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 a very simple, um, basic you know, thing in business. The top, the tone at the top sets the tone for the entire uh, organization. Uh, ACB, a company, Fortune 500 Corporation, a small business, it doesn't matter, but the tone at the top is so, so important. Thank you. Jeff? Yep. 
I would agree that that we need to start with the top in reference to representing this, but it's it's also important that we represent it across all of our leadership. So as president of the organization, you know, communicating that voice, that needs to then be be taken and mimicked, you know, and, and duplicated across all aspects of our organization. So really it comes down to all of us doing this. But you know, it does come from the top, but we all must have a voice in this process. And if we don't, we're not going to be successful. Thank you, Jeff. Denise? Denise? All right, Michael, maybe Denise. Sorry, I thought I was unmuted. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. (laughs) I hit the button. I think it goes both ways. I think it's from the top down and the bottom up. I think those of us uh, at the grassroots level need to make our concerns and our ideas known so that those individuals at the top will know and be able to then incorporate how we believe the organization should function. Thank you. Michael? I agree with Denise because in my experience, uh, we, we, for years, we have approached the top and the tone at the top really does set the, the, the tenor of how people are received. It's hard to bring in people from the grassroots if they don't feel welcomed from the top. Thank you, Michael. Right. Well, I'll just say that I think it's kind of both ways. I think we need to encourage our affiliates to uh, continue to work to diversify their memberships and uh, and leaderships, which will ultimately help us cultivate new leaders for ACB. But I also think um, at the national level, there are a lot of things we can do. I think the mentoring program that we just completed, the terrific example of cultivating uh, new and diverse um, leaders within our organization. Thank you, Ray. Mike, uh, David? I think, uh, I think, excuse me, uh, originally it has to come from the top, I think, because we need to continue to foster the environment that we're creating now, where people feel included, they feel like their opinions matter. Uh, Give me an example. I'm, I'm kind of a lurker on all these lists. But I've been compiling information from all the emails that's come through ACB for the past week uh, to do with everything, to formulate opinions and to be sure that I can represent people effectively because, you know, we need to hear from you. Ultimately, though, the environment, you know, I think we need to continue to foster the environment that we have now. Thank you, David. Deb? So I think that definitely there's a mammoth responsibility at the top because of course we set the tone of what the organization's philosophy is but in reality most of our members down at the grassroots in the bottom may not even know that they're part of a national organization because frankly they've joined a chapter for support or they've joined the affiliate because they know certain people or whatever and so I think a lot of the day-to-day inclusiveness has to come there and 
um, we have to be, uh, our role, I think, at the national level is to set expectation and to provide training and support. But really, it is top down and bottom up with the bottom up having a very important role. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you to Regina and Andy, um, the Multicultural Affairs Committee and Guide Dog Users. We have one question for each candidate. It's a targeted question. And then we will open it up for our audience. So if you have questions, you can start getting those hands up. For this, I'm going to ask you to keep it to about a minute. And we'll start with the BOP first. Jeff, there are a lot of areas, streams of communications that we're using. We have the forum, we have the blog, we have various email lists. A lot of the affiliates also have their own list or lists, multiple. And now we have things like WhatsApp and other social media avenues. The Facebook page is one, for example. Are there any of these streams of communication that you think we should be phasing out? And um, where do you see the role of social media as far as the BOP is concerned? Well, thank you, Anthony. This is a great question, and it's, and it's one that's really top of mind actually right now. You know, we need to always be looking at where the heartbeat of the blind community is represented in reference to social media circles. So we know people are on, you know, WhatsApp and they're on Facebook and they were formerly on Twitter. Uh, and, and now we know that most blind people are now, at least a good portion of them, are flocking to Mastodon. And this is where it, it's really behooving to the board of members of the board of publications as well as uh the the communications team with an acb to, to be looking at this and making sure that we're meeting people where they are because if if we're not there and listening to those voices and allowing us to be able to reach out to those people in these circles then we're not communicating effectively so you know, there's also a process in all of this. You know, we're, we're busy, you know, running a convention. And I know Mastodon is, is something that we're going to be working on post-convention. But it's just an example of where we always need to be keeping an eye out and, and keeping uh, eyes and ears on where we need to be to effectively communicate with people who are blind or visually impaired across the world. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. All right, Edward. So we all know that the ACB media organization falls under the board of publications. Talk to us a little bit about what you think the strengths and the weaknesses are of ACB media. And if you want to throw in an idea of how we can get more diversity on ACB media, please feel free. Go ahead. Thank you, Anthony. So strengths and weaknesses of uh, ACB media uh, specifically, I I would say that really you re, you we really to answer that question, we really need to analyze the numbers of of how many people are using what streams are they using uh, to identify the the uh, strengths and weaknesses. I could tell you though, one of the weaknesses, a major weakness, is that these streams are not well utilized utilized or fully utilized. Uh, to it, to their fullest potential outside of the ACB itself. I believe that these channels can serve as conduits to uh, bring in new members, both blind and visually impaired, and not not just on uh, you know the, the traditional social media that, that were mentioned, but 
think of visually impaired people, TikTok and Instagram. Um, you know, we have to consider, we have to consider a, a, a plan. We have to put together an actual plan to be able to utilize ACD media as a tool um, to potentially bring in new members and also at the same time to make sure that it is used to to uh, strengthen the voice strengthen the voices of our existing members and working with the board of publications and working directly with uh acd media uh, there, you know a plan has to be uh put in place and agreed upon by both uh and we have to stick to it and we have to have some sort of internal marketing plus an external marketing plan that utilizes publications utilizes media uh acb media and utilizes podcasts utilizes short videos you know uh, social media is the dominant force or the dominant way i think we will be re receiving thank you. members so that is my answer thank you thank you very much all right denise I think we have seen recently on the various lists that communication is still not happening to um, to our advantage at times. So what do you think is the national office's responsibility on making sure that the stream of communication goes from national to uh, affiliate to chapter or local and that each of our members get the information in a succinct way well first of all and this may not be a very popular answer but i feel really strongly about this i think that um on the national level we are doing i think a fairly good job of trying to get information out i think sometimes it is confusing when you get the same information from two or three different lists and so you tend to just hit the delete key. Uh, I think that, that however, it, you know, that information is really important and it needs to come down. I guess where I'm going to be unpopular is that I believe our affiliate presidents have a responsibility to ensure that their membership is getting access mm -hmm. to all of the information that comes down from the national level and i don't see that happening and i i am very concerned about that and I, I i would like to figure out a way to determine why that's not happening and to help our presidents uh be more open to ensuring that their membership gets this information even though it may not seem important to them it may be important to someone else and i think that's the first place it needs to start because if we don't get the information down from the state president's level to the state level down to our local affiliates, they're going to be out of the loop and they're not going to know what's going on. And I've heard a lot of people express that concern. So I would like to see us work more in that area. Thank you, Michael. Um, yours is a two part question. Money is confusing and there are a lot of a large percentage of the membership who think that we don't present our organ our organizational money standpoints our expenditures etc in a clear and succinct way how would you go about educating the membership and the second part is 
for state and special interest affiliates that are struggling, what do you think the responsibility of the board is to help them with their finances? So that's a long one, Anthony. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not telling think... you, but try to keep it close. Oh, I'll try. Got but it. But, but the first part, uh, it, one of the approaches, I think, you know, I think the treasurer's report usually is a, a sort of a, a an almost a line by line itemization of the expenditures. And it, and it talks about the the revenue that comes in. Uh, it gives you the complete uh, uh, sur surplus or deficit. So. From that standpoint, I think on a public basis, I think it's 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 out there. I think that as treasurer and 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 I know David is very uh, open with with folks. If you would contact the treasurer and ask specific questions, uh, sometimes you don't really want to put some of those things out publicly going into very very much detail uh, i know serving as as chairman of acbes there are some proprietary numbers that we don't want the public to know and so but as a member you do have a right to to have an understanding of the things that that are happening within uh, acb so contact the treasurer afterwards um, in terms of the, the special interest groups, uh, I believe that there's a collaborative, I sort of anticipated this question. I believe there should be co collaborative efforts uh, in terms of or working together, helping state uh, affiliates uh, come up with fundraising ideas. Uh, it's very difficult in today's environment for nonprofits to increase their funding sources. And so we have to work together where possible, where possible to help each other uh, improve our funding sources. So I'm not opposed to working together, as I said, where possible with state affiliates to help them uh, raise their funds. It takes money to operate our organizations. So collaborative, um, by doing so co collaboratively, we could probably help each other. All right, thank you so much. Ray, you spoke earlier about community and one of the things that community has shown us is that we have a very diverse population that has different interests, opinions, ideas, and as well as ethnic race makeup um, and their orientation makeup. So in the organization, we often are confronted with how does this really coincide with this issues? Where do you stand on that? And are we using community the right way to highlight the right issue? Um. Thank you for that question. I, I think that, um, first of all, I think, I think community is one of the greatest programs that ACB has developed, uh, over the time I've been here. And, uh, you know, it was really a, it was really a tough situation for, uh, us in the world. And yet 
we took lemons and made lemonade out of them and, and developed community. Um, I think that, I think community in general has given so many people of diverse backgrounds and, uh, you know, in terms of race, uh, ethnicity, uh, gender, uh, gender identity, uh, LGBTQ, all of these, um, uh, all, all types of people, the opportunity to bring their talents and skills and their um, abilities to ACB. Um, I think we learned, especially going through the first couple of virtual conventions that we had, we really have a lot of talent in this organization uh, that can do a lot of different things. And I think we are using uh, community in, in, in many, many good ways. <clears throat> Could we use it for even more? Certainly. Um, one of the things that um, I know is being talked about is to um, increase educational opportunities through community. Um, I, too, would like to see more affiliates uh, using community to uh, get their information out. And I and, um, you know, one of the things that I think has really been great in terms of diversity, the diversity side of things are things like the uh, Pride Connection uh, that uh, Blind Pride International does and the book discussions and other events, which the Multicultural Affairs Committee either has done themselves or has collaborated with other organizations to to be a part of. I really think uh, we need to continue to look look for more of those kind of opportunities and and bring them forward through community. Thank you very much. All right, David, you are a great spokesperson for what the organization does for us, what the organization can do for us. But let's turn the tables completely. What do we owe the organization? What do we as what are our responsibles responsibility as members to the organization, both our local level and the national level? Well, first and foremost, you need to believe in the goals of ACB. Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, especially as a board member, uh, you'll vote on an issue and you'll lose. You'll do that at your local and state level. Your obligation then is to go in and support the winner because that's what the majority of your people want. And in a democratic organization, you know, the majority rules. And unfortunately, sometimes we have to support things that we're not 100% on board with. Um, I really believe that the other thing that we, we our responsibility is, is, you know, naturally, it's human nature. We don't love everybody. But, you know, you, you get out with everybody and you have a great time and you fellowship and you learn from that fellowship and you bring it back to your organization because you can learn more about somebody's beliefs and their needs in a family or a fun environment than you can in a meeting. So I, always be a learner. Uh, listen and get to know everybody. You know, because I tell people that worked for me when I was in management, the guy who carries out the trash has a value. He has the same value as you do. You speak to him every day. You find out what's going on with him because this way you get the feel of what's going on in your business community because he hears things that you wouldn't hear walking across that floor because nobody's going to talk to it about to the management people. So just learn and Bring back what you learn be, and always be open-minded minded, and support the victor. 
All right. Thank you, David. Deb, I have an E for you. Uh-oh. I doubt <laughs> you it. You have a little less than a you know, <laughs> You have a little less than a year as first vice president and a few months as interim president. What have you learned? What has surprised you? And what has firmed you in your resolve about the organization? Well, I think that uh, I've really learned so much about the potential of of the people in our organization. Uh, what this organization is, is its people. And when I look at the volunteerism of this organization, it's amazing. When you think about just this convention, um, we've, we've just finished the virtual part and the level of support and volunteerism and team playing that I have seen this week among that volunteer contingency tells me that we, this organization can do anything it wants to if it wants to put its head behind it. I think the other thing I've learned is that we have some people who are really struggling, although they really want to believe that they want new members and they want more diversity and they want more more of this and more of that. Sometimes we do things to sabotage that. And I've read some things on our lists and heard some things said that grieve me very, very deeply. And I can't change how you feel, but I really want to encourage to change how you respond out because it makes a large difference in how we respond out because it makes such a huge difference when we're talking about growing our membership. So I've learned that we have so much to offer that sometimes we get a little stuck, which is not, no big surprise and not new in the world. And I just have so much faith that this organization can continue to grow and continue to do well. But we've got to chill just a little bit or we won't make it. So that's my hope and prayer. Thank you so much. So before we take any audience questions, I will ask if there are any candidates that want to respond to anything that was said or expand on anything that was said so far tonight. All right, hearing none, Belinda, let's start taking hands. Um, do we have uh, a good number? Uh, we do, we've got uh, six raised hands. All right, who's up first? And we've got Mary. Okay, thank you very much. Hello, to all the candidates. My question would be for um, any of the candidates who wish to, to respond. My question would be if you were approached by a member who asked you why is diversity important in ACB? We're all blind. We come together because we're blind and we advocate on blindness issues. So why does it matter about, you know, promoting and enhancing, you know, diversity within, you know, regarding race or ethnicity or gender identity? Why, why does it matter? How would you respond? Oh, I want this one. <laughs> and I'll be uh, after you, Ray. We'll have, okay. I'll, I'll be after you, Ray. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think it's pretty simple, Mary. We, as ACB, are a microcosm of society, and society is becoming increasingly diverse um, in the different categories that you mentioned, race, ethnicity, um, gender, gender identity, and the like. 
So I think um, we we need to, as an organization, reflect uh, the the society that we're a microcosm of. And so I think that we do need to definitely promote that. The second thing, though, it's about people. And, you know, we want to promote the best and most talented people to 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 lead our organization, to to do things for our organization. And that's and and that should be just across the board, no matter who they are. Um, and that, and, and I believe that, um, you know, we'll just be a better organization and better able to represent all of the views. Yes, we're all blind or visually impaired, but within that, there are different uh, issues. I remember back when, um, blind pride was formed in B flag. And I remember even asking then and others asking, well, why do we need that, that a special interest affiliate? And at the time, one of the things I learned was that there were a number of magazines and other publications uh, that the, the community, the LGBTQ plus community was interested in that were not available. And they wanted to be able to uh, be a part of ACB to help advocate for making those available and accessible formats. That really taught me a lot when I uh, heard that. And so I definitely think it's it's always something we should be doing. Thank you, Ray. Michael, I think I heard you next. Yeah, let, let me add to what Ray is saying in, in, in terms of, of, of people. People matter. And because we all are blind or visually impaired, that matters. And on top of that, we can learn from each other when we form a more cohesive group of people. People, we can do more coming from all facets of, of our society. We can gain more, we can learn more, we can be better people when we come together. It really does matter because, because you bring something, I bring something, the next person brings something different. And when we bring all of that together for this one cause, it makes us all stronger. And that's what Thank I you, want Mike. to see us continue to be stronger. Thank you. Anybody else want to answer? I would. It's Edward. Thank you. Um, thank you, Anthony. So uh, thank you, Mary. This is a great question. I would say two things. First, diversity really, and this has been proven in the business world and in other uh, environments, really does breed innovation. It really does. Varying uh, backgrounds, you know, rich or poor, uh, varying backgrounds, varying gives you varying viewpoints. It's there's no one way to be blind. We all know that. And being blind or visually impaired, combining that combining that with uh, your specific background makes you a unique blind and visually impaired person. And we need that in the organization. We really do. We need those perspectives in our sphere. Uh, every corner of our sphere, we will find we we will find talent, and and the sphere you know uh, has infinite corners. I, I and I'll give you an example. Um, BPI. I was really impressed with this last year when I went to convention. I was really impressed with the fact that BPI put on events uh, for everyone. 
uh, I went to the uh, the presentation, one of the presentations. Um, I, I think it was on uh, partially on dating. Um, mm. I, I I did not go to the the dance last year because uh, I, I, the music would have been too loud for me. I did sign up for it this year. Um, I was really impressed with the fact that BPI has really demonstrated that hey, we're not just you know, LGBT, we are blind. We are visually impaired. We are part of this community. We are integrated into the American Council of the Blind. And we can, you know, bring value and a perspective. Just You're praising of- my affiliate, but I'm going to ask you to roll it up a little. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. So, so this, uh, what I'm trying to say is that this was, this to me was a, a real, um, eye-opener because it really demonstrates that here is a special interest affiliate that is coming in and bringing in um, their perspective, but yet including everybody in the organization in that perspective. And that is so important. And I close with that. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Anybody else want to answer before we go on? I would like to answer it. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. You know, this is a this is such a great question, and and I, I think it's really important that we always be listening and and making sure that we're representing everyone within the organization, because we never know when we might be, you know, placed in a position that is represented by people within the organization. So I'm specifically talking about people, you know, who have might have a hearing impairment, right? Um, as I've gotten older, I've needed to get hearing aids and, you know, it's, it's, this is a, this is a situation where we put, we spend a lot of time and, and honestly, we probably should even do more of it, of, of ensuring that people who are hard of hearing or deaf blind have equal and equitable access to all of the activities that we do within the organization and and honestly, I think we could be doing more, like on community, for example. I think we could be, you know, doing a lot more, especially with a lot of the work that that Zoom provides for, you know, closed captioning and things that might be interesting to be able to look at. So this this is just an example of where we really need to just be making sure that we're looking out for each and every one of us. We're a family, and we need to treat everyone with that same respect across the organization and making sure that every single voice is heard because we don't want anyone to be left out. That's why we do these events around Christmas time in the holidays, because we don't want people to be left out. So it's just, you know, making sure that all of our family is represented. Thank you, Anthony. Thanks. All right, Belinda, who's up next? Thank you, Mary. That was a great question. Karen. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Jeff, you provided a perfect follow-up for me. Um, We are doing karaoke general sessions in the the banquet, and I'm not sure what other sessions besides SASE. How can the Board of Publications make sure that any uh, broadcasts that have this how can the board BOP make sure that the these transcripts are linked to the 
to these so that people can can find them. And even in, on, for community calls where that's the case, how can we make sure these transcripts and the audio uh, recordings are linked? Can I take that first, Anthony? Sure. Okay. This is such a great question. And, and I think that it, it's an area that I think we can do a lot better at. There's, there's lots of great technology that is uh, coming on board these days, especially with the use of artificial intelligence. Is it perfect? No. Um, but can we start utilizing this technology and can we start uh, improvising and, and ensuring that we're putting transcripts of each of our, uh, you know, community events and, and, special events that we have either with the board or with the board of publications, that there are transcripts. There's, there's no reason today that we should not be doing this. Now, can we do it tomorrow? Probably not. So I think it's going to take a process where we and the board of publications will have to come up with a plan. That's going to take some time to figure out. We're going to have to analyze what that process is going to look like. We're going to have to look at it from a costing perspective making sure that we're coming up with a reasonable way that we can be effective at it, that, that, it, that it's also something that, that is meaningful, meaning that it's accurate and it represents the, the actual you know, process well. So we'll have to do some mm -hmm. testing. And then we can then take that to the board and, and ask them to, to, to provide budget for this because it is going to cost. And so I don't think that, Karen, that we can solve mm -hmm. this one overnight, but boy, is it critically important. So I do feel very strongly that it's something we at least need to start planning. All right. Thank you. I agree. I agree Edward? with you. And I would hope All right. you bring this out. Karen, for time, I'm going to go to Edward. Edward, go ahead. I, I actually will save you some time and say that I agree with Jeff and I do not have any more to add to that. I think Jeff nailed, nailed it. And um, I'll leave it there. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's a great question. Thank you. Uh, do any of the officers feel like they want to address that question? I'd like to just say a couple words about it. Um, I wonder, too, I think that, you know, technology and stuff is changing so fast. And I'm wondering, as it continues to develop, if there might even be some role for, for AI in some of this to perhaps transcribe you know, mm -hmm. audio community calls into uh, transcripts or to um, go the other way, perhaps, um, to make sure that um, we have uh, that kind of uh, access. So I definitely think um, it, this is definitely something that um, as we move forward and have greater um, technology available, I think it's definitely something that uh, we ought to be able to do. Thank you very much. Thank you for that question, Karen. Um, we are coming on some time, so I'm going to ask the candidates to please be a little bit more succinct with your answers. Belinda, who's up next? Joe. Hello, all your candidates. Um, I know that uh, Edward had mentioned that uh, one of the things he was interested in is doing a strategic analysis uh, on the on, on ACB, number one is uh, Edward. Uh, how would that work? And uh, for the rest of uh, the panel, would you guys agree with that? And how would you implement it? 
Good question. Thank you, Joe. Go ahead, Edward. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Joe. So, yeah, strategic analysis, uh, just to, you know, briefly summarize what it is, it basically gives us who, you know, tells us or allows us to analyze who we are, what we want to achieve, our, you know, where our resources are and if there are resources that we need to keep or get rid of because no one is using them, also to organize the resources and to allow us to figure out our value or values. What values do we have in terms of, I'm not the, uh, speaking of values like morals and ethics and values, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the various uh, values that we bring to the table in terms of um, what makes us uh, worth joining. And to do that, you really need a strategic analysis um, that will encompass various types of frameworks and does it in a very analytical way, in a very unbiased way, a very, very uh, non-political way. And, uh, and, and it will give the ACB, uh, all of us, a broad picture of all, all the stakeholders involved, how we would, you know, how our decisions influence them, what strategy we need to move forward for example a marketing strategy how should it work who should be you know who should implement it and who should we target you know it just gives us all this information so that we have a roadmap a, a strategic roadmap to be able to move forward with not with maybes but with definites here is what we are going to do and here's how we're going to do it and uh, to to succinct it all but it's sort of like this is what's working for us. This is right. sort of what's flat and stationary and stationary. And this is what doesn't work. And these are the targets that you want to hit. So these are the things you should do. Right. Exactly. And I would add just quickly to that. Uh, don't forget about your external stakeholders, meaning right. your potential members, what they want to see, your rivals, what they're doing and you're not. And, what and your donors, partners. And partners, yeah. absolutely. And donors. What do donors want to see in our organization that would make them want to give us more money? All that is covered in a strategic analysis. I would definitely like to hear Michael's thoughts on this. Michael? As I remember, uh, the time that I rolled off of the board, we began uh, a strategic, a long-term strategic plan, and we are in probably in the in the throes of of uh, continuing to implement that plan what came out of it were several steering committees uh development of of a number of of uh plans and so we we it may be time to refresh that but what Edward has proposed is something that we started on uh, a number of years ago, and and we do have some of some of those things in place. I think someone mentioned earlier about some of the statistics that we are gathering, and we continue to gather that those those statistics. So we we are doing some of that. Maybe it needs to be refi refined a little bit more, but but we we do have some plans to to continued development uh in in finding out who's out there and what their needs are and what we need to do to to bring those things in thank you can let's I, get one more perspective from david uh, can i just say uh real quick uh, just to correct a uh, strategic plan uh strategic analysis actually comes before a strategic plan the plan is what comes out of the analysis i just wanted to mm -hmm. make sure that that's clear for everyone 
All right, David, can you give us your perspective? Yes. First of all, uh, Edward, I don't disagree with you, but what we did to from to do our strategic plan came out of a low-end strategic analysis. Uh, in order to do what he wants to do, and I certainly think that it needs to be done, we've got to be able to collect a lot more data because you can't do a strategic analysis without the data that you need to accurately do it. We've come a long way. Uh, do we need it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, should it happen? Probably should be the forerunner to our next strategic plan. So I don't think it'll happen tomorrow. I think it may be a year, maybe two years down the road, uh, because what we've got to do at this point is realistically take a look at where we are. Uh, we've got to hire an executive director. That is a process that really needs to be carefully undertaken because that person really mm -hmm. runs the day-to-day -day operation of ACB. He handles mm -hmm. the staff or she handles the staff and they come back to the board. But yes, absolutely, a, uh, a strategic analysis would not would would be very beneficial. But we need the data to be sure that we can do a strategic analysis. All right. Does anybody else want to comment before we go to the next question? All right, Belinda. Who's up next? Courtney. Hello, and thank you for taking my question. So my question is mostly uh, to the officers and community means a lot to a lot of members at ACB. Community has been a great asset, I believe, but it could be better. How do you think we could improve community? And if elected, what are you committing to do to help us make those improvements? Thank you. All right, let's go top down. Sure. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so I really um, am very committed to community, and you probably don't know that all the time because I'm not hosting a lot of calls or facilitating a lot of calls. But I sure have streamed a few thousand of them, mm -hmm. and um, and and I have been um, actively involved in other other aspects of making community go. So I am very supportive. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that, um, first of all, I think one of the most important things, and this is not dodging your question, but I think one of the most important things is to, is to be asking people who participate in the community themselves what would make it better because you're there every day. Um, one of the things that I really do like is that uh, community is offering the town hall conversations periodically uh, for people to call in and talk about that. And I do know that it's you don't have to wait for that, that you can send in other things as well. But I would really like to see a community offer um, more things that would be uh, potentially um, career building or job building or, you know, that, that would be actual classes um, that might continue on. We have lots of training available on community, but could, could we formalize any of that or use that platform to formalize any of it? And I'm not sure, but we have explored that a little bit. So um, there may be things there. Um, I love that we are training um, hosts and training facilitators, and those are real tangible skills that could be useful in a job, whether direct 
directly or indirectly. And so if we can, um, if we can automate that training a little bit more so that people take some of the training online, um, that, that would probably be really good. Um, so I, you know, I, I want more staff over there so that we can get, uh, Cindy back to help us more with membership development. Um, because I know that's the primary thing we, we hired her for. And so I, I want her back. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that way, but I think a lot of it is really talking to people who utilize the community and getting more of our members to feel okay about using it. I don't know why uh, so many people sort of see it as a threat when in fact, I think you should see it as an asset. All right, David. Okay. I look at it. Uh, I look at it a lot the same way Deb does, but I also have a different approach. Um, I'm always listening to people and I, I, I want to talk to people that are not in the community and, and know why are you not in the community? Uh, what would make you want to come to community? Uh, I think that the people who have put together the programming for the community so far have gotten part of the sense of ownership of ACB. They bought into the process and they've really, you know, community in the beginning was like bottled water. When bottled water first come out, I was in the blind vending program and a lot of the blind vendors, including myself, said nobody's going to buy water. But they did. You know, it's one of the greatest selling beverages today. And community grew. I mean, it just grew overnight. And it gave us the opportunity to be a part of ACB through a pandemic when we really, with our, with our current uh, formation, the way we were formed in chapters and local chapters where you couldn't meet, it really saved the life of ACB. And you, you can't put a price on that. So, yeah, we need to we need to work on ways to improve it. And I think the best way is outside of community and finding out what would benefit other people and make them come aboard. Great point. Thank you. Right. Well, thank you for the question, Courtney. And um, I've talked a lot about community uh, during this campaign. Um, I, listening to the March 18th, uh, three year t celebration town hall, I was so deeply moved by hearing just how important and how much a part of people's lives community has become. And it really has for a lot of people. And I think one of the things we've learned is that there are a lot of people who are blind or visually impaired that even before the pandemic were already isolated. Um, the other thing, uh, the other huge thing about community is it's allowed everybody who participates to be an equal in the community. And um, and I know for myself personally, I've benefited from the training I've received uh, to, to host and to really work with Zoom and, and all of that. But what could improve community? Um, a couple of things I think that I can share. Uh, I like what Deb said about perhaps setting up some ongoing classes, maybe some, uh, you know, some paid classes perhaps that could be done. Um, is there a way that the uh, community could work with uh, rehabilitation agencies to help them uh, or, or, or to help them serve their clients and provide uh, things like job, job training and, um, you know, career, you know, skills and resume writing and uh, interviewing and other uh, kinds of things like that. Could we market the availability of the community platform to, to companies that might want to offer training 
to uh, and, and or and information to people who are blind or visually impaired, and you know, utilize that. We have a really good quality uh, thing. Um, I think that um, there are definitely some ways that it can be improved, and as part of that, also maybe to bring in a few additional dollars to ACB. Not that that should be the main focus, but uh, to bring in a few additional dollars and um, and 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 that. Uh, but I think what community right. really has done is it gives it gives you something when you come into ACB you can get involved in right away, and that's a great thing. Thanks, Ray. Michael. Yeah, I I would like to see, uh, and I guess MCAC would 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 be responsible for this, but I'd like to see us do a series on the rich the richness of of some uh, ethnic heritages when you look at the the diversity uh in our country in our organization there are uh, there are some rich historical uh, aspects of each uh, ethnicity that that I believe we can borrow from and and learn from. I'd like to see us do a series uh, on community uh, with that educational background. Thank you, Denise. Well, I would first have to admit that I probably haven't been as involved in community as I should. Um, I certainly tried to get involved in those areas and those topics that um, I am interested in. But I really want to learn more about it and about those sessions um, and those topics that I probably wouldn't necessarily listen to, um, you know, if I was just choosing with a busy schedule. And one of the things I plan to definitely plan to do to add to my schedule of things I do this year is I want to learn to be trained to become a host because I think that that first of all, I think it'd be fun. But second of all, um, yeah, I, I, think it. It, I think it would be a great way for me to learn more about what community is all about and, you know, and what are the various areas that we really, um, you know, we're really reaching out to people with. One of the things I guess I'd like to see is I would be interested in, in knowing more from those individuals who, um, you know, who are, who are doing different topics to learn, to find out more about how do they feel about what they're doing? How do they feel about the response that they're getting? Um, do they feel like the time they're putting into this is worth it? Um, I, mm. I, I'd like to do more of that kind of thing, just to sort of get the lay of the land. All right, I'm going to put a pause here and ask Belinda, how many more hands do we have up? I have nine raised hands. Oh, all right. So we're going to move on to the next question and let's... Um, Try to be a little bit more speedy, everyone. Debbie. Hi, thank you. So here's my question. I've heard a lot tonight of we should, we could, I'd like to see lots of big picture, lots of ideas, lots of things based on things that some of you have already done. My question is, for those of you who have already been in office, what is something that you're really eager to do that you haven't yet done? What is an itch that you haven't yet been able to scratch in your pursuit of, of being in office? 
and or if it's a new office or something that you're just moving into, how are you, not should you or any of that, how are you going to hit the ground running? All right. Deb. Well, I've already been running on the ground about three months. So (laughs) I went to the try before you buy program. So um, basically, though, I am going to be moving forward with the commitment that I've made around the um, membership initiative where we're going to make sure that affiliates have the names of new people. Um, and we're going to continue to uh, move forward with all of the initiatives that we have going. One of the things that we will have to begin very soon is a initiative, an initiative to determine really what we're going to be doing now that we've had a couple of hybrid conventions. How are we going to conduct con- convention in the future? We have two more years of hotel contracts before we can make a major Major change, but then we can if we so desire, but we'd better be prepared to do it. So beyond all of those things and everything we're already doing, I'm not planning to start a lot of new things at once because that doesn't necessarily make for success. More is not necessarily better. So we want to continue to stay the course. Uh, doing the things that I said, and then we will be hiring a new executive director over the next year, and that's going to be a very time-consuming task. So that's about what I expect to initiate that's new. David. Okay. Uh, you know, I've worked a lot uh, in different areas over the years, and then naturally when I came on as treasurer, uh, I started working in fundraising and the finances of ACB. Um, I would like to do more, or actually, I'm going to do more uh, in regards of advocacy uh, out on the local level. And I've done some on the national level, but I'd like to really get into it and sink my teeth into it. Um, I'm going to work with the president and seeing about getting new liaison assignments to different committees, because I feel like if you stay in a place, I was chair of the Resource and Development Committee for many years. And when Mitch Pomerantz was president, I went to him and I said, Mitch, it is time to get a new chair of this committee. I'll be glad to stay on and work. And I'm still there. So I guess I was. But, you know, you need some changes from time to time. And you need a change in what you're doing because uh, you need to learn. As a leader in this organization, you've got to be a constant learner. So I want to learn more about uh, the different groups in the organization and how I can help. All right, Ray. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And I'll try to be as succinct as possible here. Uh, I think that the having the last two hybrid conventions has really, really brought home to me that we really need to figure out how we adapt the way ACB does business to this new world. This new world's not going away. We're not going to go back to all in-person conventions. It's just not going to happen. We, 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 that trains up the station and we've included a lot more people and been able to do that. So I think I really, I really want to work on the governance side of ACB to see how we can adapt the way we do business uh, and, you know, make the changes that may be necessary so that we can do it as efficiently and as transparently as possible in a hybrid world. Michael. 
right. If I'm elected uh, treasurer, I think the the very first thing I need to do, my my responsibilities is to sort of immerse myself in the numbers, uh, in the financial condition of ACB, uh, to familiar familiarize myself with with all of the uh, the, the, the facets of of where we get the money from and to lend my support uh, in any way I can to shore up uh, those those streams and work together with our staff to try and come up with uh, additional ways of increasing our funding. As I said earlier, it takes money to run the organization. And so that's that's going to be that's going to be top line. That's top of my 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 list. All right, thank you, Denise. You're not unmuted, Denise. Sorry, guys. Okay, I'll start all over again. Um, mine has nothing to do with um, my role as secretary. It's more related to another hat I wear, and that is um, that I think I have the most fun job in the whole world because I get to deal with students. And uh, I heard the presidents loud and clear about what they wanted in terms of information about our scholarship winners and the mm -hmm. follow-up that they wanted to do. And it is my... Uh, goal this year to do whatever I can to make that happen and to work with our presidents because they truly want to bring those scholarship winners into their affiliates. And that's what I want to see because that's what's going to help our young people growth. All right. Thank you. Belinda, who's next? Steve? Anthony? Real quick, Anthony, I had a comment on this question. Okay. Is that okay or no? Sure. <clears throat> okay. I, I think uh, w w one of the key things that, that we in ACB need to do is we need to get smarter about how we're utilizing the data within the organization. Um, this, this will allow us to be more nimble. It will allow us to be more effective in communication. It will allow us to bring greater user experiences to members of the organization. And it's an area that, that we really need to, and I'm hoping that the leadership of this organization will devote some, some budget and some time to. Uh, it's going to take some, some pretty exhaustive planning to, to even consider it, but we need to, we need to be looking at it judiciously uh, so that we can do things like providing great customized experiences for members so that they get the data that they want when they want it. Uh, and, and providing abilities to be able to, you know, register for a membership within the organization across either the national or state or special interest affiliate levels in one place so that it's really, really easy to manage. I think part of the problem is, is that we, we complicate things a lot because we have all of these different, you know, states and special interest affiliates, and it just adds complexity to the membership process, and we need to work on that. So all right, it's so all data is your key point, and that's how we figure those things out. Thank you very much, Jeff. Belinda, who's up next? Steve. Thank you. This is Steve Heeson in Janesville, Wisconsin. My wife and I are in our mid-40s. We have five kids. Two of them are blind. 
one uh, Josiah's 15 and Matthew's 10. Um, I'd like to know what are your um, what are your dreams and visions for the future of ACB? What challenges do we face and how can we overcome them? And what advantages do we have or can we gain and how can we capitalize on them? And where will this um, organization, what will this organization look like in 30 and 35 years when they're our age? Thank you. Wow, big question. Let's go backwards. We'll start with Edward. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you for the question. So I hate to say this, but uh, you just described what a strategic analysis would actually accomplish. Um, not to harp on it, but um, yes, and, and what Jeff had said earlier too, uh, we need to really uh, quantify um, what we are doing, you know, our resources. Uh, we need to know the numbers. Um, so that we can answer that question. Where are we going to be in the next 30 years? Um, that will be a very difficult question to answer only because with the advent of AI, we absolutely, uh, no one knows um, where anybody's going to be or how society is going to look like in 30 years. However, we can prepare the very best that we can by making sure that we have all the necessary data and be able to make decisions based on actual, real, hard facts so that we can get as close to your answer as possible. Um, so that would be my, my the way I would answer that question. Very good question though, thank you. Jeff? Yes, I think I'm gonna make this very succinct. I think the future of this organization is in the way that we start putting attention to detail on the youth of people who are blind and visually impaired and the families that they represent. If we don't do that, I think the next 30 years is going to be quite difficult. So we need to be working with special interest affiliates like ACB families, ACB students and others within the organization to come up with a very solid plan about thinking about how do we recruit youth uh, there are other blindness organizations that do a pretty good job of this, and I don't, I don't want to get too negative here, but I do think this is an area that, that ACB does slightly struggle with. Uh, I think we have a lot to offer. I think community has a lot to offer. I think that we need to adjust programming a little bit to be able to foster to that audience and foster to families, because if you bring families, you'll bring youth. And this is, this is how... I think we need to solve the problem. But until we put a concerted effort toward it, uh, it's not going to happen. I'd like yeah. to comment on this one. Sure. Well, real quick, and I will be quick. Um, I think that this is one of the strongest places where our affiliates and our special interest affiliates can really make a difference. Um, a lot of families are uncertain about connecting to a national organization and certainly the challenge of coming to an in-person convention. We've had lots of discussion on the lists and everywhere else about the expense and the time and all of that and boy that hits families hard. I can really appreciate that for Steve and his family and all the others but that is one 
one of the places where I think some affiliates have really shined. And I know that in my state, for example, there's been some negotiation around uh, how the transition funds get used so that potentially one of the things that could happen is that families uh, and youth could have part of their way sponsored to visit the National Organization Conventions. So, you know, that's just a dream and that's just a thing. But my point is that's happening in some places so it can happen in others. And I think that is a place where you really need to target down at, at the local level and work it up. And National needs to support it you know, come toward you. But that is such a powerful opportunity for our affiliates and our special interest affiliates. And in fact, to partner together, because um, I, I just think that's a, a wonderful way to get that started. All right. Anybody else want to comment on this question? I do. All right. Oh, okay. Michael. Yeah, we, 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 we do a program here in our state, this gear. When he when he mentioned those young guys, uh, that's just exciting because our, our our program is a biennial program, but we have the support of the the state agency, and and it's a it's an educational program that that brings these students together, and I'd like to see us work more at the national level on on bringing more youth to our convention or a special event to help them understand who ACB is. Because if in 30 years our organization is going to be viable, it's going to be because the continuation of the, the way we conduct ourselves, conduct our advocacy, that's, that's going to be in the hands of guys uh, your son's age. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. All right, Belinda, who's up next? Penny. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. 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 Oh, good. I'm so sorry. Um, so this is, I know it's late. I'm so sorry. It's already 10 o'clock. Um, so I'm going to try to make this quick, but it is a two-part question. Um, and it has to do with resolutions. I thought that David King's was just an excellent question when he asked what had happened to the resolutions last year. And he only knew about three of them, and I think there were more than 20. Um, and um, it seems to us in GUI that often affiliates are afterthoughts uh, on, in the terms of leaders and in the terms of ACB staff. For instance, when ACB staff decided to tackle the problem of rideshare denials, GDY had to contact ACB after they had announced their plan to ask if we could help them. Um, and then we asked them to include our logo, and they didn't even bother to do that. Um, and when um, there was a resolution last year, which was adopted to make uh, the other six issues of the Braille Forum available in Braille. But BRL, which was the affiliate that introduced that resolution, was informed after the fact, after the fact that the board had determined there wasn't enough money for that. Rather than being brought in, um, maybe they could have found a grant or something. Who knows? So that's my first question is how can 
ACB is sure that staff and leaders think of affiliates at first and not as an afterthought. And the other thing I want to say is that when I became president of GDUI, I was astonished at how little most of our members knew about ACB. And GDUI has improved, and most many of our members know who ACB is, and some of them know how ACB works, um, but a lot of them still don't. And that's the case for lots of affiliates, especially state affiliates. And so how can ACB, what, what, is AC, what are ACB's expectations of affiliates for informing their members about the national organization and making them feel involved? I know this is a huge question. I'm sorry it's at the end of the night, but I look forward to your answers. Thank you. And Penny, if I can tack on, where, how much responsibility is the member themselves? Because I think it's a give and take in both of those questions. All right, Deb, go first. Yes. So first of all, I do think it's imperative that um, that uh, ACB and its affiliates and its committees all be collaborating as to the maximum extent possible on any issue. And I believe that's all a two-way street as well. Uh, one of the things that um, we think is really important on the resolution side and that we implemented better this year, but we do need to continue to do better on, is that when someone is bringing forward a resolution, we would like to know how they have actually taken that up with whoever will be ultimately responsible for the resolution. So I don't know the history on the guide dog resolution so much, but on the BRL resolution, for example, uh, it would have been really helpful. And I'm not blame shifting on this. I'm just saying it's both sides um, that it would have been very helpful if they had brought it to the BOP before rather than having the BOP learn about it on the floor. So I think it's both ways. I really think we all need to do a better job of tracing things back and forth. And I have encouraged the resolutions committee that they need to have the expectation that the makers of resolutions need to also have garnered the support or the concern or whatever it is of the people who would be helping them implement it. So I think that's a piece of that. But in general, I absolutely agree that there needs to be uh, better collaboration about that. And uh, for example, I do know that GDUI recently had a PSA that they wanted to have promoted and uh, that w that ACB did in fact post that and post the logos together and tried to uh, be uh, to have that uh, be a joint effort as much as possible. So I, there's definitely more communication work to do there. But I would say that the important thing on all sides is to reach out, to not just wait on either side for the other person to do it. David? Yeah, and, and uh, this is going to sound kind of short, and it's not because I, I certainly support what you're saying. Uh, but I have said time and time again, uh, and, I, and I live it and I believe it, is communicate with me. Uh, I knew nothing about the logo issue or the uh, fact that you did not know about the national movement to work on the guide dog situation with, with uh, transit. Uh, the, the Braille Forum, we actually said that we would continue to look at, that, that it was not a dead issue. Uh, and if you recall the exact 
wording of the resolution. I don't recall the exact wording, but it was to look at the feasibility or something to that effect. And I certainly support that. There's a lot of things that's got to be worked out there. Uh, you know, if, if you do one, you don't need the other. So if you drop, if you drop the e-form and you go strictly with the Braille form, then what do you do about page length and that kind of thing? And then you do have to fund it. Anything we do um, has to be funded. Uh, we did uh, research about, oh, God, it's been 15, 17 years ago now. And we we valued a person's membership for their, I think it was $3 at the time, that they actually got $100 in benefits. I would like to see that done again just for people to realize what, what happens and you know with that little bit of dues uh it your dues doesn't even cover the cost of, of say the braille forum or any advocacy that we do and the se- the second part though is communication like i said my, my phone my email is is out there uh i certainly welcome to hear from anybody if they have an issue with something that the board's not doing or the staff's not doing are not doing to their satisfaction so we can resolve it and not have an issue for it because our goal is to advocate successfully. And in order to do that, uh, we, we have to hear from our experts. And certainly in this last situation you mentioned, GDUI would be our experts. And so why would we not want to hear from them? So anyway, going forward, communicate. Please communicate. Okay, Ray. Well, thank you, Penny, for the questions. I. I don't like to look back on what happened. I, I, except to learn how we can improve things going forward. And so I think that, uh, definitely we need to, uh, we, I'm going to take the second piece, communicate, communicate, communicate and, and up, up and down all across the organization. We could certainly do uh, a better job of that. Um, as, um, one of the things that, um, I would like to see maybe looked at in the future is perhaps looked at is for each of the resolutions that we adopt, maybe just a, a little summary that gets updated every so often and, you know, kind of where are we at on that resolution? I mean, sometimes resolutions get turned into legislative imperatives. Sometimes they get, uh, they get, uh, you know, sent off to, um organizations and just you know what's happening with the resolutions you know could we do that 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 would that would take a fair amount of work for somebody to do that but you know that we we as members adopt these things and we need to um hear what's happening with them um one of the things that uh i'm really happy about our new resolutions process uh, that we have set up to develop resolutions is exactly this reason so that we have a chance as resolutions get submitted to bring in the experts to, if somebody submits a resolution on a guide dog issue, we should bring in GDEY and say, Hey, is this something that you would, would have the ability and the time to work on and help ACB with? Should it be adopted? And uh, kind of understand um, there's a real, there's a real need to make sure that when we put resolutions forward and policy statements like that, that we have both the, uh, financial resources and human resources uh, to work on these things. And so um, that's what uh, we need. Yeah, we, we always can improve. And um, I think that, um, you know, you mentioned about affiliates not knowing the value of, of ACB or people in affiliates. That is an ongoing problem and it's a puzzling one. And I know in my state affiliate, I try to highlight 
everything that we do and to say, this is what being a part of the uh, national organization allows us to do, get those resources and, and work to improve things at the local and state levels. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Michael? I'll be very succinct here. I, I think, you know, what my three predecessors here have said is related to communication. And that is the important thing is communication. But add to that expectation from the standpoint that once a resolution has been proposed, it's it's duly noted. Uh, sometimes the expectation that it will be acted upon to the 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 resolution makers uh, satisfaction you know really quickly sometimes it it's not going to happen like that and so you have to work through the process uh things things do cost uh and sometimes uh, oversights happen but we do our expectations sometimes have to be tempered there has to be some patience and and hopefully those things do get gone, get done to the satisfaction uh, of the, the the general uh, body at large. So so I hope that we can work together when resolutions come that are that are concrete, that are positive, that that will be for the benefit of the masses. And and but sometimes you, you may have to wait a little bit to get those things done. Communications and expectations. Thank you, Michael. Denise? I have nothing more to add. Okay. <laughs> Jeff? Edward? All right. I, just, um, I would like to agree. That's all. Go ahead. I just want to agree that uh, communication and expectations are, are definitely important, but also just, you know, having a systems in place so that communications don't fall through the cracks and that uh, voices are are heard and acknowledged uh just setting up systems to do that would be a, a, a great leap forward in my opinion that's all i wanted to say thank you thank you anthony i have nothing more to add anthony all right well then i would like to say thank you to over our two hours thank you so much um rick for streaming and belinda for hosting the candidates for coming and being well prepared with great answers um and we will everybody in schomburg or virtually through vote mail every vote counts so i hope everybody out there listening is that beautiful power that we all have as an ecb member thank you so much from all three all three of <clears throat> affiliate and committees great rest of your week thank you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony, for the opportunity. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for participating.